Well, hope y'all are doing good this morning. Uh, you know, we already talked about it a little bit today. We're going to be talking about uh, battle, battling spiritual amnesia because we can be very forgetful people, right? We're very forgetful. Um, some of y'all know I just recently got a job at Creekside Deli. It's in Cleveland, Georgia. Y'all should come check it out. Uh, we're open uh, Tuesday through, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're open, but y'all, y'all come check us out. Don't, don't come on Monday. We're closed. Uh, Friday, Saturday, we're open all day. Y'all come on out. All right, I'll be working Friday, Saturday. Y'all come on, but uh, not this Friday, Saturday. Next one. All right, anyway, Creekside Deli is really good. We got all kinds of stuff. That's not important, though, but I work at Creekside Deli now, and I'm a cashier, so one of my jobs is to make the smoothies and make the milkshakes. So if somebody comes up, they order a smoothie, order a milkshake, I'm the guy that goes and makes it. Pretty big deal. But so what I have to do, somebody comes up, they, they order a milkshake, I'm supposed to finish taking their order, they pay and everything, I go make their milkshake, I take it out to them, and then I take the next customer, the next people in line. But a lot of times when I first started out, it'd be super crowded on Friday night because there'd be a game at White County, everybody's coming to get their food before the game. It's super packed, and you know, I don't want to leave right now because it's super packed, so I would, I would stay for a second, but I'm going to take one or two more people, and then I'm going to go make the milkshake. And I would forget, and then they'd be like, hey, where's my milkshake? And I'd be like, I'm sorry, let me go make that milkshake for you. And I would do that every time I'd tell myself I'm not going to forget, and every time I would forget. <laughs> I've gotten smarter now where I've started to write it down on the cup. I write their table number, and I write what it is. So I, I do that now, but that's just something that I've been forgetful recently. Um, another thing that I, I forget a lot is funny jokes. You guys ever forget a joke? Somebody tells you a joke and you think it's the funniest thing ever and you go to tell your friend the next day and you just get the wording just a little bit wrong and it doesn't make any sense and you're sitting there, you're trying to tell them this joke and you're just like fumbling over your words over and over again and they're like, what, I don't, what's the joke? You know, and it, I do it all the time. Uh, birthdays, birthdays, anniversaries, I hope not, no? All right, good, yep. Birthdays, anniversaries, people forget those. Um, we forget a lot of things in our life. And along with that, we forget what God's done in our lives, and we forget that. So that's why we want to talk about battling spiritual amnesia, because this isn't a new problem, right? God's people have been forgetting what He's done for them for thousands of years, and I don't see this problem going away either. I think we're still going to be forgetful people until Jesus comes back. So that's why it's important that we're able to battle spiritual amnesia. So we're going to take a look at uh, an example, a look at an example in Scripture of God's people having amnesia, spiritual amnesia. Uh, Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war, that they also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go up and out of the land. Skip down to verse 13. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was in rigor. So God's people, they're in slavery right now. They are struggling. They are not doing good. <laughs> they are enslaved. And we're going to do a little brief fast forward through the book of Exodus. What we see is God, he comes to Moses, who was an Israelite, a Hebrew, who was raised as an Egyptian, but then he murdered an Egyptian, then he left Egypt, and then God comes to him. It's a whole crazy story. But God comes to him and says, you're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to stand before him, and you're going to say, let my people go. And after some convincing, Moses eventually, he does that. He goes and he stands before Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. So nine times, 
He comes to Pharaoh because God performs a plague each time. He puts a plague on the Egyptians each time. And Moses says, let my people go. And every time Pharaoh says no. And on the 10th plague, the 10th time, Pharaoh finally lets the Israelites go. And God freed the Israelites from slavery. So now the Israelites, they, they've been enslaved for years and now they're out of slavery. What do they do now? They're out in the wilderness. They need, they need guidance. Right? And that's exactly what they get. We read uh, Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 through 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So not only does God free them from slavery, now that they're out of slavery, God leads them so they're not just wandering around, so they're not just lost. He leads them. They follow God's guidance. He guides them to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh, he decides, you know what? Actually, I don't want to let the Israelites go. Actually, I, I think I want my slaves back. So he sends his people after him. The soldiers, they go and they chase him. And the Israelites, they saw what was going on. They think, we're about to die. So what do they say to Moses? Exodus 14, 12. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians, then we should die in the wilderness. They said, it's better for us to just stay as, remain as slaves than it is for us to die out here in the wilderness. They'd already forgot the miracle that God done freeing them. They'd already forgot how God had led them. And I guess they didn't know that wherever God leads, he provides. They didn't know that. God performs this miracle, though, at the Red Sea where he splits it, where the Israelites, they can walk right across dry land. Whenever the uh, Egyptians follow, they try to get in, they try to follow them, they're going to chase them, and God brings the waters back and it smashes them and it kills them all. So not only did God free them from slavery, not only did God lead them once he freed them from slavery, but wherever he led them, he provided for them. So then the Israelites, they're going, and Moses, he's up on Mount Sinai. He's getting a word from the Lord. He's receiving instruction. He's up there a little too long for the Israelites liking. They said, you know, he's taking too long. We've got to do something about this. So we read in Exodus 32, verse 1, The people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, and the people gathered together to Aaron, Moses' brother, and they said to him, Come make us gods that we shall go before us, that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of here to the land of Egypt, from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Moses was up on the mountain receiving a word from the Lord, getting instruction from the Lord, and they go to Moses' brother, giving him all their gold, saying, hey, make us a gold calf for us to worship. We need, we need something to worship. Not knowing that they already had a God that had, or I guess they knew, but they forgot. They already had a God that freed them from slavery, that led them in the wilderness, and that provided for them wherever he led them. And what did they do in response to that? They forgot. They struggled with spiritual amnesia. And it's really easy for us to look at that and say, well, you know, if God freed me from slavery, I'd never forget that. Or if God, if he led me wherever I went, I'd never forget that. That's, I mean, it's, if God provided for me, I'd never forget that. Because it's easy because we have such this explicit example of them literally being freed from slavery, of them literally seeing a pillar by day, a cloud by day, and a fire by night for them to follow. It's really easy to see that, not knowing that we do the exact same thing. If we read in uh, John 8, 34 through 36, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So if you are a follower of Christ, you have already been brought out of slavery. Everyone is a slave to something, right? We're a slave to the world or we're a servant to God, a slave to God. 
That's, that's how it is. We're, we either can be a servant of the world or a servant of God. Everybody, or a servant of yourself, which is a servant of the world. But we have, as Christians, we have been brought out of slavery, just like the Israelites were brought out of slavery. Slavery. Sorry, just words are hard sometimes. But John 16 tells us, just a little bit longer, or a little bit later in the passage, John 16 tells us the Holy Spirit convicts us and guides us into all truth. It leads us. Once we are freed from sin, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit leads us. We are given a new heart. We are transformed. You know, we're Transformation Church because we believe that whenever you become a Christian, you are a new person, a new creation. You are transformed. The old has passed away. The new has come. And we believe that. So whenever you are freed from the slavery of sin, you're given uh, the Holy Spirit fills you. And now that is your guidance. That is how you make your decision. You should align yourself with what the Spirit tells you, with what the Word of God tells you. And then we see that God always provides where he guides. Just like God, he told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And Abraham was prepared to be obedient, and he did it. So he said, I'm going to take Isaac up on this hill, up on this mountain, we're going, to, you know, we're going to do the sacrifice. And just as he was going to, God saw Abraham's faith, and he provided a ram to be sacrificed in Isaac's place. The Lord provided. So much so that Abraham even called the mountain, the Lord will provide. And Paul wrote in Philippians, he said that God would supply all their needs. Now, when we say God will supply all your needs, are we talking about, are we talking about wealth? Are we talking about big houses and nice cars? Are we talking about big boats and everything? No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about your heavenly needs, your, your eternal needs. We don't, we don't want to build up these earthly possessions, these earthly treasures that wrath, wrath, rust and moth, See what I did there, Roth? Yeah. Rust and moth will destroy. We don't want to do that. We don't want to build up these treasures that ultimately don't mean anything in the end. We want eternal fellowship with our God, with our Father, with our Lord, our Creator. That's what, that's what we want. That's what God will provide for us. So Christ has freed us from slavery. He has led us. He gives us His Spirit, right? The Spirit of God. And we have a new spirit and we follow that. And that's how we get we, uh, we follow our convictions. We are guided, and that's, that's how we live our lives, how we should live our lives as born-again believers of Christ. And then wherever God does guide us with His Spirit, He always provides for us, just like Philippians tells us. So what we call that, well, we still forget, right? Whenever God does that, I mean, I, I forget what God does for me. I catch myself not being grateful for what God's done in my life, being... Like, God, why can't you do more? Why can't you do this? Or why can't you do this? Why can't, why can't I be thankful for what God's already done for me? <laughs> That's what like, why can't he do this? Why can't he do that? But why can't we be thankful for what God has done? Why can't we remember what God has done? And that's the problem that we call spiritual amnesia. We got the, well, it's not over there, but we got it. You know, you've seen it. Spiritual amnesia. So what it comes down to is how can we remember what God has done for us? Because if, if the problem is forgetting what God has done for us, then we need to remember, well, how can we remember? If I just came up here and I told you, you need to remember what God's done for you, I'd be doing you a disservice. I need to tell you how to remember what God's done for you. So I came up with a list of a couple points, and it, obviously it's not exhaustive. There's, there's tons of different ways you can remember what God's done for you. But I came up with a couple that I think uh, are pretty good. Um, the first one, gratitude. You can, by remaining thankful for what God has done for you, by being a grateful person, a thankful person, is a great way to battle spiritual amnesia. Psalms 9, 1 through 10, or sorry, 1 through 2, 9, 1 through 2, 
I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart, and I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. You know, telling others. It says, I will tell of all your marvelous works. Telling others what God has done for you. We call it, you know, testimony. Right? Sharing your testimony with people is a powerful thing because not only does it build up believers, but it also can be a witness to, God, or to non-believers. You know, you can share the gospel through your testimony with non-believers and you can encourage other believers with your testimony. So we need to share. And your testimony is not just like, how you got saved. Like, yes, it is, but it's also what God is still doing in your life. That's a part of your testimony as well. Your testimony doesn't end the day that you got saved. Your testimony continues until the day the Lord comes back. That's how our testimony is going to go. So God's going to continue working in your life. So you don't just stop telling people at the point you got saved. You need to tell people what happened after that, how he transformed your life. Because the way I see it, you know, our testimony is kind of a compare and a a contrast of the old life and the new life. Right, the old life and the transformed life. Right? We're living a transformed life now that we're saved. We need to tell people how our transformed life is different from our old life. Because if there's no difference, then why would anybody want to get on board with that? You know, if I, if I lived the exact same life I lived before I got saved, or if there's no change in me, why would anybody be drawn to that? It's just, oh, it's the same. You know, you live the same life you did before. It doesn't really do anything. You know, that's not what it is, though. Christ transforms us, gives us a new heart, makes us a new creation. We are a new person. So talking about what God's doing in your life. A cool little example. Just the, this past Wednesday, we couldn't meet for uh, next gen because the fumes in the building, we, had, we were advised not to meet. So we went. You guys are safe now, by the way. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> we, I think, I assume. But <laughs> we, were, we were advised not to meet on Wednesday, at least not here. So we, we decided we were going to go to Lula uh, downtown instead, just circle up some lawn chairs, and we were just going to talk, have a good time, just hang out with one another, fellowship. And in the midst of our talking, we, somebody brought up the question, like, what is God doing in your life right now? What is he showing you through scripture? What is he conveying to you? Like, what, what, is, what message is he really teaching you right now? Uh, you know, whether it's through, like, your prayer life, like, oh, I had, like, a really awesome experience in my prayer, or my devotion the other day, or my quiet time the other day, which is really good. I was really, I had this really good message from God. You know, what is that recently that God's been doing for you this week? And we talked about it, and we told one another what God's doing in our lives. And that, that was a really awesome moment. Anybody that was there will tell you that it was a really great moment between just brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, people that care about each other. It was a really great moment. So reminding yourself as well, right? Sometimes, you know, you got to remind yourself that God has done things for you. It's great to tell other people, but also sometimes we can get down in the dumps and we need a reminder as well of what God has done in our lives. So whatever you got to do to do that, if you got to write post-it notes and put them on your door or something, or put them on your window or right by your bed or on your mirror in your bathroom, that's a good whenever you're brushing your teeth because everybody does that, right? I hope, right? <laughs> right? Anyway, so, you know, put, <laughs> you know, get your, put, you know, like the other day I had this really good quiet time and this is the, what I got and this is how I want to apply it in my life this week and for, or in, and after this week. Put that around your mirror whenever you're brushing your teeth in the morning. Oh man, yeah, you're right. I want to apply that in my life today. Maybe God is teaching me that I need to forgive better. Oh, you know, so-and-so said something the other day. It was just a joke, but it hurt my feelings. I'm going to, I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to talk to him about it. I'm going to, I'm going to forgive him. Seek to be reconciled. Write notes. Talk to one another. Whatever it is you got to do. 
Psalms 107, Psalm, not Psalms. Psalm 107 tells us to give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord, let God's people, right? The redeemed of the Lord say so. God's people whom he has redeemed from the enemy. All right, we are God's people that he's been redeemed from the enemy. Christians are God's people who have been redeemed from the enemy because we were enslaved by sin and we were brought out of that and we were redeemed. So we should give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And that is gratitude, right? We just sang the song, All I Got Is a Hallelujah. I love that song because a lot of times, you know, you just feel really down and a lot of you don't know. I, I, can't, I can't really articulate to God right now much, but all I can say is hallelujah. And, that, and that's, that's really good. That's something I think we can remember. And also, I mean, God has given us a lot to be grateful for. There, there's a lot to be grateful for. If you're a Christian, you've already received the best gift of all, which is salvation, right? I mean, there's nothing that could compare to that. Like, I mean, imagine trying to compare like your Christmas gifts to salvation. It just doesn't even show up at all. It's like, man, like, I don't even want to get anybody any Christmas gifts because they've already, I mean, I can't top what God gave them. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a way to save money at Christmas. But, <laughs> but yeah, your kids might be upset if you, if you do that. But sorry. Anyway, but salvation is a great gift. Fellowship, that's another great gift. You know, with the fact that we have the ability to be friends with people, to be in relationships with people, to be close with one another. That's, that's a great gift. Something I've been thinking about a lot recently is just like the emotions that we get to feel, that we feel like the, the capacity to feel things. You know, whether that's love or whether that's, you know, joy, whether that's sadness, right? Because I've been thinking about a lot recently the fact that, you know, whenever somebody that I care about gets really sick or something and I, and I feel sad and I want to cry, I want to be upset. Like, I just, I want to, you know, be really sad. I feel really sad. The fact that I feel that because I got to, I've gotten to know that person. I've had such a love for that person for years that I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the relationship that I've had with them, the friendship that I've had with them. And whenever, like, whenever somebody that I know loses somebody that's really important to them, and I, I'm, I feel sad, I feel hurt, like I want to cry. Like that, even though it hurts, it's like I've gotten to have that relationship with that person. I've gotten to feel for that person, and I go through whatever they're going through with them because I have compassion for that person. And we get to do that. We get to go through this life together. We get to love together. We get to hurt together. We get to do this thing together. And that's, that's a great gift. I've been thinking about that a lot recently. And then obviously, I mean, that, those are things that he's done for everybody. And then there's also things that, you know, he does in your personal life. And you're thinking, hey, man, like, sometimes I think God did that just for me, which is pretty selfish to think probably. But sometimes it feels like, you know, you're, you're sitting there and the pastor's preaching or the song's playing. You're like, man, I think he did that just for me. You know, and it feels like it. And, you know, maybe so. Maybe everybody needed to hear it. But that's just, you know, it, it's a great gift that we get. And God does that for us. So we have a lot to be thankful for. So that's the first way to battle spiritual amnesia. The second way to battle spiritual amnesia is prayer. Remaining in fellowship with God is a great way to battle spiritual amnesia. We've all heard, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We've all heard that the five people that you spend the most time with are the best reflection of yourself. We've all heard that, or at least I have. I hope you guys have. Now y'all have all heard it. But, <laughs> you know, by that standard, though, we should all spend the most time with Christ. We should all be praying all the time, right? Because 
if Jesus isn't one of the top five people you spend time with and you claim to be a Christian, then like how are, and you're not going to end up being like him, right? Because the top five people you spend the most time with is going to be how you end up. If Jesus isn't one of those people, that's a problem. If you're not, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you're not spending time with Jesus, if you're not, you know, in that prayer, in that scripture, everything, just spending time with Jesus, then, you know, what's your future looking like? And I'll try to, I'll try to explain this the best I can. It's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, I mean, the point's not, but the example is. The point is that the more time you spend with someone, the more you are like them. The, the example I want to give you is kind of a, a funny story, I guess. But so Janaea and I, we, we have this inside joke, all right? It's from uh, this NASCAR interview. We're big NASCAR fans, but this NASCAR interview. And this one guy is interviewing this other dude, and he's talking to him. And they're talking about this other guy and this other girl that are, you know, their boyfriend, girlfriend, they're dating. And he says, he's like, yeah, they're good kids. And then the guy he's talking to is like, yeah, and they are. And it's just like, the way he says it, it's just kind of funny. You know, it's like, it's a weird way to answer, like, and they are. You know, like, it's not an incorrect English, but it's like, it's just kind of off. Like, why would you say that? Why wouldn't you just say, yeah, or yes, or yeah, like, absolutely. Like, why would you say, and they are? So, like, an example, Janae and I'd be, like, driving through the mountains or something, and the leaves are turning. I'd be like, yeah, the leaves are turning. And she'd be like, and they are. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know? And so, like, when we're, we're with each other, like, we'll say that and we'll laugh and we'll do that. But I notice, like, when I'm not around her and I'm with other people and someone's like, man, these fries are really good. And I'm like, and they are. <laughs> and they look at me <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, you're right. But why would you say that? Why wouldn't you just say, yeah, they're really good. So it's like, and they are. So I don't know. It's just something that we say all the time. But like, the more that we're around each other, the more that we say it, the more that we say it when we're not around each other. So like, the more time you spend with Christ, the more time you spend devoted in prayer and meditation on the scripture, reading your Bible, the more time you're doing that, there's going to be an inevitable overflow in your life. And so just like whenever I'm not around Janae and I say, and they are, and everybody looks at me kind of funny, it's because there's an inevitable overflow of what I spend, you know, doing my time. So if I spend my time in the Word, I spend my time uh, memorizing scripture, studying scripture, uh, praying, whatever it is growing closer to God in the rest of my life, there's going to be an inevitable overflow of that. And it takes discipline, right? Because it's not always easy to, you know, wake up or do your quiet time. You know, if you do it in the morning, you do it in the evening, whatever. It's not always easy to do that. Sometimes you get busy. Sometimes you're just not in the mood. And I have a buddy that tells, he says all the time, every time I see him, I feel like he says it. But he always says that consistency is better than motivation because motivation cares about what side of the bed you woke up on, but consistency doesn't, right? So if you, let's say you really want to be good with your quiet times, you really want to make that a discipline in your life. So every day, you know, you wake up and you're doing your quiet time, you do it for three or four days, it feels really good, but then you wake up on the wrong side of the day, the wrong side of the bed on that fifth day, and oh no, you don't want to do it because you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. That's what motivation cares about, what side of the bed you wake up on. Consistency doesn't care. Consistency says, I could have the best day ever. I could have the worst day ever. I'm still going to do what I do. So if you make reading your Bible, you make praying, you make uh, meditating on scriptures, you know, we have all these spiritual disciplines. If you make those a habit in your life, consistency in your life, then whenever times get hard, it'll be there. Right? They always say, um, what do they say in sports? You don't, uh, Alex could probably tell me, but you don't, uh, you don't rise to the level of the competition, you fall to the level of your training. I think that's kind of what it is. So whenever those hard times come, 
right? You're not going to just all of a sudden become like this super disciplined person, right? You're going to fall to the level of your preparation. So in your everyday life, you should be practicing those disciplines. So when those hard times do come, you're going to be at your, you're going to be disciplined, right? You're not going to all of a sudden just become a super disciplined person if you're not putting in that discipline, putting in that practice every day. So, and I would even say to pray specifically, right? Because pray that God will show you things or he will help you remember that, uh, that he'll help you remember to be thankful, to help, help you to remember what he's done in your life. Because, I mean, no one's saying that, you know, you can't pray to ask God to help you. You know, like, you, it's not off limits. Like, you can say, God, help me remember what you've done in my life. That's not cheating or anything. You can do that. So I would say to pray specifically. So being thankful, so gratitude, prayer, those are two great ways to battle spiritual amnesia. The third point I want to give you to battle spiritual amnesia is to focus. Specifically, focus on godly things. Because focusing on godly things will make you more of a godly man or woman. Paul encourages the Philippians. He says, don't set your mind on earthly things because this earth is not our home. We're just passing through. We're not here for long. Our citizenship is in heaven. So soon after he tells them that, just a few verses later, verse, uh, ch- uh, chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, he says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. When you focus on the godly things, the God of peace is with you. We see in verse, uh, verse 7 of that, that God brings the peace that surpasses all understanding. So when the God of peace is with you, with him comes the peace that surpasses all understanding. And we need that peace because a lot of times it's hard to focus on God when you're not at peace because you're focused on everything else. A lot of times we lose focus on God when we're stressed out. You know, maybe, maybe if you're a college student, you got a lot of work. You got papers, you got midterms, you got, you know, book reports, whatever it is. You know, if you're an adult, you got bills, you got payment to do. You got, maybe you're a college student that has both. Maybe you're an adult that has both. That's hard too. But, <laughs> you know, you, we have things that we're stressed out about. You know, maybe, uh, you know, I have to... Uh, you know, I got one kid that's got practice 25 minutes that way, one kid that's got practice 35 minutes that way, and we got one vehicle. You know, how are we going to do that? You know, <laughs> you know, we're stressed out about these things. So there, there's things in life that cause us stress, cause us to lose focus on God. We also lose focus on God when we're anxious. Right? I mean, how am I going to do this? I, you know, we're afraid of how we're going to do something. We're afraid of the future. Right? How am I going to pay off my student loans? How am I going to pay off my mortgage loan? How am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to raise my kids in a godly way? How am I going to support everybody? How am I going to be a good example to my kids, to the people in the church? How am I going to do that? That's, that's things that we're anxious about. And there's, there's tons of other things we're anxious about. That's just a, a couple. We have a lot of things that we get anxious about. A lot of times we lose focus on God when we're believing the lies of the enemy. Sometimes we hear these things like, you know, we, we get in our head a little bit and we start hearing something like, you know, God doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really like want you or anything. Like, I mean, you know, this whole God thing is just too good to be true, right? Like, why would he choose you? Why would he want to do something great through you? You're just you. You know, that's something that we, we tell ourselves a lot. And that's because we're believing the lies of the enemy. That's not true. God has chosen us 
and he loves us and he has a purpose for us and we know that that's what scripture tells us so we can take that to the bank another one then this one I, this isn't I'm not going to say it's my favorite because they're bad but like this is like the one that I think is most prevalent a lot of times is we lose focus on God when we're just busy there's not anything wrong you know life's not bad but we're just busy you know we, we can't we're focused on school you know school's going good but we're focused on it or work's going good we have a lot to do but it's not too hard we can handle it but we're focused on it. Just stuff that takes our focus off of God, that keeps us busy just long enough to not focus on God, to lose focus on God. And you lose focus on God for a day, it's like, okay, well, I'll catch back up tomorrow. Two days, okay, I'll catch back up, you know, at the end of the week. Three days, you know, two weeks go by, three weeks go by, a month go by, and you don't even know who you are anymore. Yeah, so we, we need to make sure that we don't let just being busy stop us from focusing on God because it is hard it really is we do get very busy there is a lot going on we do have just everything competing for our time every single day that's only going to get more so we have to make sure that we remain focused and we can do that by focusing on things that are true that are just that are pure lovely of good report that have virtue and are praiseworthy focusing on these things help us be in close fellowship with God being in close fellowship with God will bring us the peace that surpasses all understanding because he is the God of peace. And having that peace is going to help us battle spiritual amnesia. So when we look at battling spiritual amnesia, it's important to remember what God has done in our life. And just as, just as God, you know, how he had uh, Abraham sacrifice his son, and he provided that ram for him. Just as God provided that ram to die in the place of Isaac, God also provided his son Jesus to die in our place. He died the death that we should have died. He sacrificed his son for the world. We see John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus Christ died the death that we deserve so that we wouldn't have to, so that we could have eternal fellowship if we just make Jesus the Lord of our life. We can have eternal fellowship with our God, our Father. He loves us. He wants us to be in fellowship with us. Like, God is our Father. He's not just like some, some God that's an impersonal being. He is our Father. He cares about us. He loves us. He wants us to be in fellowship with Him. He, like, that's what He wants. So that's why it's important to battle spiritual amnesia, because all that God has done for us. And that's why we take the Lord's Supper, and that's what we're going to do here in just a few moments. We're going to... You guys are good. You can wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're good. Don't worry. Well, we had to. No, you're good. Don't worry. That's why we take the Lord's Supper, right? We do it in remembrance of what God has done in our life. He's done so many great things in our life, and that's why we take the Lord's Supper. So we're gonna do that in a minute. And um, what? <laughs> Let me cook. All right. <laughs> we're gonna do that in just a minute. All right. Um, we're gonna. If you trusted the Lord. Jesus Christ for your salvation and Jesus alone, then we're going to invite you to take the Lord's Supper with us. But before we do that, we want to have just a moment of invitation. Just, you know, get your heart right with the Lord if you haven't already. If you feel like there's some unconfessed sin that you need to get off your chest to tell Jesus, He already knows, but He just wants you to confess it. We want to be that openness, that vulnerability, that fellowship. If you have anything like that that you need to confess to the Lord, we want to invite you to do that whenever we sing this song here. And then we're going to take communion shortly after. But um, I'll pray for us. We're going to sing the song, and then we're going to follow in communion. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for all our people here. Thank you for just this fellowship that we get to have.
pray for this time of communion, that you would just help us to remember what you've done in our life. And we thank you for all the great gifts that you've given us. We thank you for salvation above all, for your followers, for your, your children, God, your brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you. We thank you for that salvation. We thank you for all the other gifts that you give us. Like I mentioned, like the fellowship, like the capacity to feel things, God, like the ability to be with one another, to be friends with one another, to feel things. God, we thank you for all the great gifts that you give us, us being able to enjoy this life, us being able to uh, just see a, a beautiful sunset and know that you created that. And we thank you for that, God. And we thank you for all your amazing gifts. We just pray that you would help us to come before you now just humbled um, and anything that we need to get off our chest, God, anything that we need to just do to get right with you, I pray that you would give us the courage and just the vulnerability, openness, humility, whatever it is that we need, God, I pray that you would give us the ability to do that and so that we can take communion and that we can do this amazing act of fellowship and remembrance. And we thank you for everything you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.